Sydney 5, Adelaide 1. Welcome to an Adelaide United, uh, well, a night shift football red edition about our beloved Adelaide United. Not so beloved this week. We're having a tough time with it. Um, Tommy's here. Say hi. Hi. Cooper's here. Say hi. Hi. Yeah, that was that's about the energy that this deserves. Um, we did just record a uh, Night Shift episode 132, though. That's going to be in your feeds. Go check that out. It should be the one below this if you're on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your pods. Uh, but this is the red edition, okay? So we're going to talk Adelaide United. There's two really, really fucking big elephants in the room right now, I guess. One is the result, and the other is uh, a record transfer for Nestor Kunda to Bayern Munich. Should we just talk that quickly before we before we move on to the dismal shit? We should yeah. devote the entire pod to Aaron Kunda moving to Bayern, I think, and then talk very little about this game. Mm, that sounds good. I heard Why? rumors that his decision was still up in the air on what club he wanted to sign for, and then he sat in a grandstand, watched us lose five one, and begged for the pen and paper. <laughs> Please bring it here, anyone, and it just happened to be Bayern Munich. And I imagine begging for Bayern. Yeah. Please Bayern, can I have a contract? That's my Oliver <laughs> Twist impersonation. In case you couldn't pick it up. Um, all right, is that all we all we got? Or we we're all pretty down about this, but surely we can have some positivity here. You know, uh, what's it's going to be worth between five to six Australian uh, millions. millions? Yeah, mm. millions. It's it's pretty big deal. That's pretty big. How much is Australia? How much is the squad going to see? That's what I want to know. Or is this just going to fill the coffers of a debt-free club? It may well do that. Mm. How much, realistically, Cooper probably knows more about this. What What do you think we will see returned into South Australian football from this transfer? By what do you mean by South Australian football? Are we talking directly to Adelaide United or are you thinking that they'll potentially use some money for the rest of the state's football development? Anything, or... man. Anything. Anything. I'm really hoping that they Anything. pour a lot of this back into the development of footballers like Erin Kunda. I'm hoping I'm my I had a conversation with someone tonight and I think this may be a pipe dream, but my hope for for this was that if this club is truly debt free, if if there is truth behind this club being debt free for the first time since since it was created, and all of a sudden we have an in, influx of, you know, six or seven million Australian dollars, that even if we don't see this go into the squad it can just be huge for this club in terms of financial stability and they can find ways to use it. Um, the first cool. thing that came into my mouth, into my mouth, into my mind That's was hot. to, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that came into my mind was mouth. maybe having, being out of debt and, and having, you know, all this youth development and all these socceroos and this spotlight on football in this state finally and a, and whether you love or hate him, a sport progressive premier at the moment, whether having this money behind us can help us get some sort of financial backing and get us a training facility that isn't out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Let's whoa, let's, whoa, no, let's, no, that's bait. Whoa. No, no, that's it's not. Bait. No, it's I'm not, not nibbling at that. It's, it's not bait because I genuinely think that if this, if what can come out of if this club could have a more centralized training facility that wasn't just used was not just used for this club, but was a world-class facility that was used to develop football in this state as well, Yes, that it can be a huge bonus for football in this state. Half an I, hour from Highmark. It's 10 minutes from Croatia Raiders. 
it's not that decentralized. When you think about the whole, if this, when, you, when, you, when if, you think about the good footballers South Australia produce, where do they come from? It's the just, north. If, if this if this training facility that we're currently using was half an hour out of the city to the south, Sam would have torched it three weeks after it was built. I yeah, wouldn't, because I don't no... go that far down south. So, I <laughs> so that far down south, this is exactly what I'm saying about a centralised location. Yeah, much, my dead body when I use South Road for that as, use. We, as much as we love the north, there's a whole bunch of this. Don't, don't you dare use in me the state when you talk about the north. There's a whole don't bunch you dare. of people We know where you grew up. That will not, Tom, you live on a fucking lake in West Lakes, mate. <laughs> that's, that's not his home, though. It's not his home. It's just where he lives. You sell out. Yeah. My spiritual home. <laughs> Cooper's from the West and he wants everything near him. I get it. Um, I was wondering if maybe with that boost of obviously there's only so much you can do with a squad and a salary cap league. Um, but what it, I think it's fraught with danger, but would you look at going a big marquee? No. I've got Ooh. to ask the question. No, because Whoa. when is what? it? When has it ever worked for? I, for, I agree with you. I don't think so either. Past, I'm just asking the question. And mm. I think you genuinely have to, uh, if you sat down and did some research, when has a big marquee outside of Sydney winning one with Del Piero ever actually helped a team in this league win a championship? Uh, I not think a championship, can, but Shinji was pretty big. At Shinji, Western. that's what I was going to say. If yeah. you can go get a Shinji Ono type, that is your marquee. That's the one you've got to nail in. Um, it would be, oh, God, what direction would you go with it? I, it's hard to say because we already get decent crowds, like really yeah, no matter what. We do. What are you trying to do? You're trying to fill high marsh to the brim every time to try and get that extra investment to get a, a stadium built and, and, and like another new stadium in the city. They're always talking about um, redeveloping Rod Laver, I think, and they just want to throw something together. But, you know, whatever happens, we're always going to share that. With, Memorial Drive, uh, you mean? Rod Memorial Drive, sorry, not Rod Laver. Yeah, so Fish. Memorial Drive. Um, they're always going to share that with a potential basketball team or a potential whatever they want to throw in there. Um, it's never going to be a standalone football stadium. And so in that sense, I'm not not exactly on board. I like what you were saying previously. If you can get an academy structure set up where the absolute best footballers in South Australia are able to, you know, uh, male, female, are able to train and use facilities much like Melbourne City have, which I think is why you see a lot of the good footballers go there in a sense when they're younger because they have professional standard. If you could establish that with the money, that would be the best use of it. What, what I'm looking at when I say this is is specifically the one that comes into my mind is the Sydney FC Centre of Excellence. Um, cool. We're feeling it. In, in, yeah, in the sporting precinct, um, Macquarie University in New South Wales, Pretty central location. I'm not sure if you've seen this facility. It costs $20 million. It's an, it's unbelievable, this facility. And the player that comes to my mind and the amount of players that are loyal to Adelaide and that do stay here or that go elsewhere and come back it is wonderful. But what comes to my mind is is Nathan Amantitis is a player mm. that, that we did try mm. and sign this year. And he knew what our facilities were like. He, he trained with the club for ages and Sydney FC threw him a bone said, Hey, just come over and have a look. And he went over, he toured this facility and he never came back. And I feel like that not only is South Australia a football factory in the way that we produce our own players, but if we had something that could draw young talents from outside of South Australia to South Australia, we could become an even bigger hub of development of young players than we already are. 
Interesting. I like it. I'm on board. That's what where I want more, the money to be poured. What more can you offer than a training ground in Elizabeth? <laughs> what, how can you how can you overcome that? That is peak. That is peak I, training. I don't, I don't know how you beat that. I don't have an answer to that question. You don't need to but, answer it. You just it need could, to sleep on it. All right. That, that statement it. that statement could make one hell of a TikTok. <laughs> sure, go for it. <laughs> um between Sam and I, what did we score on that ground? Hundred goals each, surely. Oh, back in the when it was yeah, Angle Vale. Using, using Elizabeth Grove's junior pitch as a senior ground. It's nowhere near Anglevale, but uh, we used it. We Same scored. Business. And then they came along and went, oh, man, wouldn't this be a great place to put Adelaide's training facility? And here we are. Um, let's talk talent football now. Here. Unfortunately, uh, we did concede five goals. Uh, four went in by half time. Um, a few changes to the lineup. This week, oh, who wants to take us away first? Cooper, mm. Tommy? What? Mm. Will it be my post in the chat? Uh, Carl is clearly listening to the podcast. And then was it you, Sam, 20 minutes later? Like, shit, it doesn't really bode well on what we've said, does it? <laughs> it doesn't, no. Yeah. Are you, um, you going to explain or are you just going to? Oh, Carl has copped a mop of shit for these changes from, from an abundance of people. And I am one of I a million times on this podcast you could go back and listen to me talk about how much I dislike Cole Veer as a manager and how tactically inept I think he is in terms of managing a football team but I'm going to stand behind him in this moment because these changes there was there was nothing wrong with these changes obviously it Bernardo is forced you, you can't do anything about that and, and yep. he's the guy he's the guy that had to come in I saw like we said last week we saw people talking oh, let's start Bovelina right back and push Panache up to the wing because he's actually a winger. But no. Bernardo, Bernardo deserved this start. Yep. He did. Yeah, he did. This was his first start in which he didn't have a scoring involvement and he currently is equal first in goals for Adelaide United this season and equal first in assists for Adelaide United this season with yep. moments only from cameos off the bench. Secondly, Panache Madania was stinky against Melbourne Victory. I think we're all aware of that. Um, yep. And there was a lot of people that I'm sure online the week before were whinging about Panache during that game that are now asking why Bovelina is starting at right back because Panache hadn't been that bad. This decision had to be made. It was the right decision. Bovelina was actually, he was actually decent in that. In I would game. go, I, it might be harsh, but I'll go further as to say, even in the 6-0 and 3-0 wins, Madania was just okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he set the world on fire. Like he was just okay, and then he was horrid against Victory. And this is a fair, fair swap. And yeah, um, Tom's going to hate me for this. Um, Ryan Tunnicliffe, he was good in the second half against Melbourne Victory when he came off the bench. He really steadied us in that game. Did he struggle in that game? In this in this game, just gone on the weekend. Yes. Did, did he struggle? Did, is an did, understatement. Did. <laughs> Ten other players on the pitch at the same time as him also struggle. Yes. yes. Yes, they did. Is Tom only hating on this guy even more than the rest of them because he's a Brexit footballer and he was lucky <laughs> enough to be in the Manchester United Academy at some point in his career? With Wayne Rooney. Yes, he, he Paul is. Paul Pogba, and, don't forget Paul Pogba. And, and he struggled. And there's a lot of people saying that the SIES had to play this game and this is so tactically wrong from Carl because we needed a leader. I'm sorry. I dis- but, disagree. But, but we were top and these guys were bottom. SIS is nearly 40 years old. At some point this season, yep. he is going to have to rest in games. Yes, what true. Does, yeah. does top versus bottom not look like the best opportunity to do this? 
And and a lot of people said, okay, why not bring him on at half time? Well, four 0 down. What the fuck's the point? Yeah, why are you bringing Izzy on? There's no, yeah. If exactly. he's on the bench because he needs a rest, you're not going to bring him on at four 0 down, forty five minutes through a game to change it. People yeah, are on a pipe okay. dream because we came back from three down against Brisbane and scored and scored four in forty seven minutes or whatever it was. We weren't scoring four in this game. No, but I mean the the cloth penalty convinced me to stay till the end. So there, there's always that little bit of hope <laughs> that, kid, that kicks. I really only want to see Tunnycliffe play if he's going to play the Yale role. And so I'm not sold that he is a DM from the outset. Um, and there's, you know, there's a few goals in this where he goes to be the second man um, in the challenge and he is just so easily beaten. Oh, my God. The first goal is a really good example. I mean, Carl said at post-game, Joe Lolly's only got one move. And for some reason, we allowed him to to do that in the fourth minute of the game or the third minute of the game. Um, I, he just, he's not, I had a look at his stats and his stats were actually okay. He didn't lose as many tackles as I thought he did. Um, his ground duels, he won all of them. His passing accuracy was still pretty good. He just, in this situation, in this particular game, he just looked lost, I think. And maybe this is just going to take time. Um, this is me in hindsight. This is me watching the game again. At the time, I was furious. Like, I was like, get this cunt out of here. I never want to see him again. Um, but maybe he will adapt to the way that Carl wants us to play. It's an odd kind of, I mean, it's it's a really static formation, but it's kind of an odd way to play because it doesn't allow for a lot of fluidity in the middle. And he really just needs to hold his position if he's going to play DM. A lot like the way Izzy plays it, um, where he just sits deep, picks off passes and intercepts balls. And that's all I really want him to do. But for some reason, he didn't do that in the crucial moments. Yeah, I don't know. Um Sammy, are we going to get chronological with this, or uh, I'm happy no, for you to. Do it. I'm happy let's for you to lead away. I was at a wedding, as you know, so yeah, I missed so, a lot of it. Well, I mean, we can, in a sense, get chronological by talking about this this Joe Lolly goal in the fourth minute, because what I really want to talk about right now, and, and obviously, Sam, when I brought this up in the group chat, you hit me with a "here we go" because because you know how I've felt about this guy in the past. Um, what's but, his cool name? What do we call him? Kyran. Kyra. 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 That's it. Kyra. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we really need to talk about Ryan Kiddo. Here we he go. Was very, he was very we, Ryan Kiddo we, today. <laughs> we really need to talk about Ryan Kiddo in this game. And, and I have openly said on this podcast that that I disliked Ryan Kiddo for a long time. But he in the last 18 Personal months, vendetta. He's, he's made me eat my words to a huge extent because his last 18 months for this club have been absolutely fantastic. Um, I just want to go back to, to the victory game, first of all. We spoke about this last week, Sam. But we said we felt like he could have been booked four or five times in this game. And I think that one thing we didn't touch on when we spoke about that was he probably could have been booked four or five times in this game because he made fouls as an attempt to recover errors that he made in the first place. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And that has just crossed straight over into this game. He is the captain of this team. He's one of the most experienced players in this team. He's, alongside Nick Ansel, the most experienced A-League defender in this team. Joe Lolly does one thing, like Carl said, every time. Joe Lolly does one thing. He wants to come inside on his left foot. He's good at that thing. And and and, and you know what? If he goes He's very good. If if he goes to the byline on his right foot and he beats Ryan Kiddo on that side and he creates a goal with his right foot, you'll cop it. Mm. But as a defender, you need to and, and as a captain, you need to stand up. You need to know that that's what this guy is going to do. And you need to make the fuck sure that he doesn't get to do it. Because 
multiple of the goals scored in this game, particularly the first one, came from Joe Lolly cutting inside on his left foot and just having his way with us. And and that's on Ryan Kiddo massively. Yeah, he got he got his pants pulled down in this game, especially in the first 15 minutes. He didn't like he was anywhere near this football game. Um, and it was so reminiscent of the Melbourne Victory performance in that, you know, we could have been three goals down against Victory and we managed to cling on and come back and get a point. And yet in this one, you know, we were dispatched and we should have been dispatched because we were fucking terrible. I've never, I went through a list of home defeats that we've had. And this one, I think, does rank as number one. And it's recency bias. There's There's been a few honking performances, but not with a group of players this talented, not with a group of players this exciting and not coming off this top versus bottom kind have of performance. We, when's the last time we were on the end of this many goals at home though? It, it was Brisbane in that it comeback. And, and we weren't we weren't this bad in that game. I mean, that we, was only three in, in the first half. Yeah. But, but <laughs> oh, in, we, in that... In that first we got half, absolutely we, we got absolutely fucked by the Mariners we one game. We weren't that bad. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask an, an interesting take that I saw a few people talking about and having a chat about. And at the moment, I disagree, but I can see where they're coming from, and I need to I need to focus in on it for multiple more Adelaide United games. Ryan Kiddo, unchallenged in the three nil, unchallenged in the six nil, defensively terrible against the victory defensively terrible against Sydney FC. Do we think that not having Craig Goodwin, who formerly was a defender on the same side as him to provide extra cover, may be an issue for him? Do we think having either Nesta or Bernardo in front of him is going to mean that he's not getting any support? He's going to often be caught one-on-one on this side and, and it may be a little bit of an issue for him? Well, the way it happened in the first two games was Halloran was mostly left in front of him. Mm. And I think Kiddo was, while he wasn't challenged defensively, I thought in both of those games, Kiddo had really good attacking games um, against the Mariners and City. So um, maybe get more support. Like, I guess Bernardo comes in, so he plays on the left. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is there. I'm happy still. It's a very still, like, round, what is it, round four? Yeah. Very watch and see still, you know, at this point. Two really good performances as a team with two wins and then two, I would put Melbourne victory last week as a pretty poor performance. We only looked good once they went down to 10 men. Um, And then this is an absolute stinker. So it's very middle of the road still. And it's very, we've gone into every week saying, Oh, I hope we just don't lose. And a bit of, we're, we're playing a bit, watch and see. That was the takeaway from this is that I I was watching this and thought, Oh, this is the Adelaide United we were expecting this season. Mm. Um, you take away the fact seven out of 12 points from those first four fixtures, nuts. Like, that's crazy. I think we've overachieved massively. Um, but I think if you extrapolate it with the whole team selection, when you're talking about Kiddo specifically, is that he didn't have the covering DM in order to bail him out of these situations. I don't think it was so much the winger. I think Izzy did yeah. perform his job perfectly, or not perfectly, but it performed it just well enough that it was able to bail him out on you know more than one occasion. And it was just that disjointedness, I think, where Johnny doesn't get back enough. Whether or not he's told to do that, that's fine. If he doesn't have to, that's cool. But we saw in two specific situations where uh, Tony Cliff just did not lay the challenge that you would expect Isaias to lay. Um, and they led to two goals. And um, I think that's that's the difference. And it's not saying that Tony's never going to reach that level. Hopefully he does. He grows into this and he becomes a really good footballer for us. But... That's what's exposing Kiddo for me. 
Yeah, well, I mean, most of the Ryan Tunnicliffe chat when he came in was that he can play there if he has to, but mm. he's he's got more of an attacking side to his game. Like Sam said, he'd rather see him in the box-to-box. Or say that might have been you, Tom, that said you'd rather see him in the box-to-box if he is going to play. Um, but that just, it comes to me on my on, on our depth, and I wonder whether this shows, we know that Carl Veard is a huge fan of Jay Barnett. And we won. I I just wonder if the reason that we didn't sign another defensive midfielder to rotate with Izzy is because the plan was that Jay Barnett would play this role. And now Carl obviously didn't know that that Jay was going to tear his hamstring off the bone and miss six months of football, but potentially we're a little bit depth shy in that department now because of it. Oh, that's a, that's a great call because we do have such restricted squad sizes then you cannot have three players for every position. So if you think Jay Barnett is going to be the one that fills in for Izzy in the rotation, and I think that's brilliant because Jay Barnett is a super capable player. And what do we call him? Five-yard Jay or six-yard Jay? Like his, his passing range is brilliant in that sense because you look at the way that we play and the way that we turned over a couple of goals in this where Popovich and Ansel were trying to advance the ball and there was just, they were under pressure and there was no one really willing to come in and play that really easy pass and find the man to feed. That is what we were lacking with without Jay. I mean, you look at the amount of DMs that we've let go over this over the years. I mean, Louis's gone now. Uh, Taris Gamolka's gone. There's been a few that have gone on to better things, and so we are kind of yeah depth shy in that in that respect. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm gonna hit you with with three points here, Tom. Um, we're, we're a little bit hard to go chronologically and I don't really want to sit here for the next 15 minutes and talk about five Sydney FC goals because uh, we don't need to de- depressing <laughs> enough to, <laughs> to watch them on the weekend. Um, firstly, Jaden Kacharski, um, first Sydney FC start, a player that um, with chats with Antonis on the weekend confirmed that the Poland are actually looking at capping Jaden Kacharski. Shit. Really? Um, there's he's obviously eligible to play for Australia too, but there's competition in which Poland believe they could get a senior cap on him. This is his first start for Sydney FC. A lot of talk that a young player that potentially Corican may have had a bit of a leash on comes in, Ufi Talai, first game in charge, starts the young striker, scores two goals. Um, I thought he was excellent in this game. So did I. And that second was finish was just, it was so composed and it was just, it was a beautiful little dink over the goalkeeper in a, in a tight angle. Um, he looked great and he did cause problems. I mean, he was the perfect matchup for Bovelina in order to expose him, which you've got a young hungry player that has been on the leash and he's finally getting given a game against a defender who not so much on the leash, but he's trying to make his name in the, in the A-League. Um, and he's just got, he got tore. Rings, unfortunately, he got torn. Absolutely, um, I quite liked him. I thought Kuchaski was good. I think he was a good footballer. He, he looks like he's a good talent. He I scored. Think... He scored thirty odd goals in 50, like fifty one MPL games or something. Sydney. Yeah, excellent. No, um, I think he also gives them a great extra dimension in which with Ufi Teller, they can play this four four two instead of the four three three they were playing with Corica. Um, Joe Lolly and Robert Mack, both excellent players, getting on with age might be a little bit shy of pace. Great ball players when they're deeper in that wide midfield spot, like we saw with Lolly, it allows them to not have to try and run onto these balls against what is mostly in the A League fast young fullbacks. Mm, it yep. allows them to get on the ball deep and, and play forwards, but also it gave Fabio Gomez another another fast attacking striker 
to play with, and they linked up Team two up. or three times to create chances. Um, Gomez got the assist for the second Kacharski goal, um, or maybe the first. Sorry, um, either way, but I thought they were excellent together, and it provides a little a, a different dynamic rather than playing that four three three. And if things aren't working, bringing Patrick Wood on off the bench. Um, it's so uh, it's so funny because Corica made his name at Sydney playing that four four two, and then he was like, "Shit, it's getting old. There's a little bit of pressure on me. I'm gonna have to change shit up." And then Uffy comes in and does the same thing, but changes two players and bang, it works again. Well, how ballsy is it to come in in your first game and completely change a system when you've had a team for three or four days? Oh, Spurs ball. And just Spurs ball. Yeah, very much. Um, Second point I had, I love the, what we're doing with Carl this season and that we're trying to play out from the back. And when it's worked, it's looked magical. What I don't want to see is the two back-to-back goal kicks where Gauchi went short to Popper on the edge of his six-yard box. Popper took one touch and just punted it long. If he's going to do that, can't we get the defensive line up and just let just let Joe put it long in the first place? Yeah, that's because it. I, I what I what I'm okay with and what I understand is if we go short to Popper with a look to play out from the back and nothing's on, he gets rid. But we never did that because the amount of times in this game that there was nothing on, but we played a pass into a horrible spot and turned the ball over because that's clearly what we were trying oh, to do in comparison yeah. to when Joe went short to Popper, Popper took one step and just punted it. Joe is more than capable of doing this. And that way, if it does come straight back, the defensive lines up, but it just didn't make much sense to me. Yeah. Robbie Cornthway uh, wrote a good article about this and um, his idea was to push the fullbacks a little bit further up and to get the centre-backs to drop a little bit wider in order to give them just... Because he said in his piece, if you're going to play that deep out from the back, it doesn't really matter where you are across the defensive line because you can allow yourself... You're so deep already. You can allow yourself a little bit more time in order to play the ball. You get one one or two more seconds in order to get that ball up the pitch. And if you've got your fullbacks a little bit further up, if you do bomb it long, you've got a better um, you've got a better second-player retention uh, ability in that in that respect. My convoluted idea from this is wondering if Popovich can play DM. Is that such a stupid idea? In in just just out from that, you know, being able to play the ball out. If that's what we're going to do, and we did, we dominated possession in this game. Still, we copped five goals, but we still had way more ball than Sydney. Is that a terrible idea? Um, I'm going to say yes on two counts. Is that my worry with Popper playing the ball out from the back is anytime there's the slightest bit of pressure on him, he shits his pants. Mm. And if he is playing DM and he gets the ball, there is always going to be players around him. And I'm not convinced he has any sort of ball playing composure to, to play that role. And that's nothing on him as a footballer. Yeah, He is just he, quite frankly a, a center back. And and my other, if he has, if he has two more center backs to play that back to though, is that a better option? If he can open up the angles and allow, you know, the transition to actually flow, maybe that is a better idea than having him as the one advancing out of centre-back. Yeah. Um, my other thinking point is that if I have to watch Ben Wallen play games for Adelaide United just so we can play Popovich at the end because we're panicking after one ton of cliff performance there, I probably won't be too impressed. I, I would play Bar. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going we're gonna to go with no for that one. Um, <laughs> my third point that I wanted to throw at you for this game... Um, we were dog shit for 90 minutes in this game, essentially. Um, but, geez, I thought Zach Clough was still really good. Isn't he great? Hasn't he come good? I, I agree. I totally agree. There's, Dishy has moments of absolute pure porn in his locker. 
There was like this beautiful little pirouette that he played on the edge of the box that I think opened up a hero chance that he just butchered because he does that. That's hero. Um, it's just, has he finally settled? Are we seeing him in his full expertise at the moment? Or is this a guy that's, he's in the last year of his contract, right? Is this his last chance of being a professional footballer? Is he, t- is he finally Probably. switched on and was like, fuck, here we go. Here he's still out. Shit. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Jury's still out. And like, sorry, I'm just going to jump in a sec. <laughs> I have so many trust issues with this guy <laughs> the last two years. So it's going to take more than four good games to win me One over. One good turn. Yeah. yeah um, One I good, can... what did you call it? Porn in his locker. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a nice little yeah. pirouette. It just, it killed it. It was the best thing I saw all game from any player on the pitch. I think my, my Zach Clough. My, sorry, my Zach Clough thing here is that <laughs> I've watched four good performances from Zach now. And at the start of this season, I think I went in thinking, geez, I'm going to need to see 10 to have any form of respect for this dude. He's had two great games this season so far. He was good against the victory last week. But I think what's really exciting me a little bit about Zach now is that we've seen a good performance in what was a dire game for Adelaide, is yeah. that he didn't just go missing. And, and saw a bit leads, of leadership. Yeah, and that and and whether it's leadership or, or just leading by example or not allowing himself to fall into the trap of just just dying. Um, one moment I, I pointed out was when the third Sydney goal went in, um every single player on the park walked back to the halfway line with hands on heads, hips looking down at the ground. Every single player. Um mm-hmm. I made a point during the week about kiddo doing it, thinking that it was was poor leadership and and Sam and I sort of disagreed, didn't agree about it, whatever, but just genuinely bad body language from, from 10 guys on, on the pitch. And Zach Clough ran from 50 metres away, grabbed the ball out of the back of the net and sprinted back to the halfway line, was just asking people to come with him. And if he did or they did or they didn't, it, it doesn't matter to me because I love that. That is like, I don't think Zach Clough round four last year at three nil down is running 50 metres, grabbing the ball out of the net and, and asking blokes to come with him going, fuck off, we can still do this. Yeah. And and I think that's a major improvement on on him as a, a person at this football club. Yeah, no, I respect that a lot as well. Uh, you know, it doesn't translate heaps into this result, but I, I do enjoy that. I think that was a good, it was a good moment for him. Yeah. Uh, just... So you got something else there? Or yeah, I was I was going to move on from that. So if you're no, good, I was just going to say, um, I guess I'll, I'll let you keep going. You seem to be running this pod tonight, so you can just keep going <laughs> if you like. I don't know if whether I'm 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 struggling. You you've gone to a wedding, and I thought maybe I have to step up for once. I've, I've no, no, it is it's been helpful. Um, <laughs> um, Sammy is the Ryan kiddo in this situation, and you are the dish club. Yeah. Um, the last thing I wanted to bring up in this game was. The three halftime substitutions from Carl Viet. This was a big moment. Loved for, it. Loved it. For, for Carl Viet, in my opinion, and for the direction of where this football club is going. Um, Antonis, front of the pod, and myself had plenty of conversations about Jesus is a young team. We're going to need the guys that do lead to lead this season. And we're really interested to see where it happened. And Antonis wrote a great article today for Front Page Football. Um, and I'm just going to read the headline to you. Left red-faced when adversity knocked on Adelaide United's door and no one answered. 
And I think that's probably the perfect way to put this is that this game was begging for someone to stand up. This game was begging for Ryan Kiddo to just go through someone or Ryan Tunnicliffe to just at two nil down, settle everyone and, and dictate the tone of this game because two nil down in, in 13 minutes, forget about it. There's a long time left in a game of football, but no one wanted to absolutely no one wanted to do anything to set the tone or sway the momentum. And Sydney just rolled straight over the top of us because of it. And at halftime, we were saying, geez, I don't know what he's going to do. And it looks to me like Carl has gone in the dressing room at halftime. There is five players for Adelaide on this pitch that started this game over 23 years of age. It is an insanely young squad. Three of them were dragged at halftime. Ben Halloran, gone. Hiroshi Ibasuki, gone. Ryan Tunnicliffe, gone. And to me, it looks like Carl's gone in that dressing room at halftime and gone, you know what, if my senior players aren't going to stand up and lead, then fuck yeah, the kids can just do it. And I love yep. it. I love it too. I would love to have been in that dressing room at halftime. Just just as a fly, just sitting there, just like, who is he ripping to shreds here? It has to be all of the people that we were expecting to take a, a lead and a charge in this in this first half. And he did that at halftime. He brought them off. Do you, do you think it's a little bit... Uh, like desensitized by the fact that they scored directly after halftime. Oh, I, I mean, but even even then the response was good. I mean, even after, you know, that could shatter a young team. You go young to start with, you go even younger, bring on even less experience at halftime and concede 30 seconds after the start of the half. That could shatter a team. We could have copped eight or nine in this game. But they stood up, they eventually got a goal and and whatever, if you think Sydney took the foot off the pedal or, or not, they might have, they, they may have not. But this young team stood up and and that's what he was looking for. And, and obviously, we're not going to come out in two weeks' time and play 11 players under 23 years old. Some of these leaders are going to come back into oh, this that'd team. That'd be fun. But, I don't want to see any of them again. <laughs> but I just um, I just think it's great. And and the one I really wanted to talk about, and, and Sam didn't watch this game, but I'm sure he'll pitch on this because he loves to hate this guy as much as the rest of us. But... Fuck, I'm inches away from thinking Ben Halloran's finished as a professional footballer. Oh, he's at least, at least at this <laughs> club, because because this was horrendous. I mean, there was a lot, like I said last week, a lot of love on. I'm not sure if you heard me say it, Tom, listening back, but a lot of love for Ben Halloran because he was third in the league for chances created. But I, I wanted to note that he'd played on in two of the three games we'd played. He'd played on the weakest player in the pitch, pitch in Max Caputo, who was actually out of City's lineup on the weekend. Finally. And um, Connor Chapman playing out of position at right back. It was a flog. I did not think. Thank you. I did not think at any point that he'd done enough in these games. Create chances all you want, but you need to be the chance. If you're a senior leader in this team and you're on the weakest guy on the pitch, don't worry about creating chances. Be the chance. Score the goal. Be the player that's giving every man on that back line a headache. And he hasn't done it. And he's gone at halftime in this game. And when Nesta comes back next week, I'd like to see Nesta and Bernardo on these wings. I think Bang. Ben Halloran needs you a know. real reality check. And yep. because it's it's fine for him if he keeps starting these games, because in his head, he can keep thinking, if I'm going to be the guy that starts these games, <laughs> eventually I'll perform. But he needs to be put in a situation where he's sitting there watching these young kids go to work and thinking to himself, fuck, I've got 20 minutes tonight to prove to everyone in this stadium and everyone that, that makes these decisions at this club that I still have a future here and that my career is still worth keeping around Adelaide United because he is on thin ice. Did you just get the impression he doesn't care? No, I, I genuinely think he does. I, it, it, I'm i not at the point I thought that last year. I don't think he gives a fuck. I, I genuinely think I've seen 
a little bit of a change in Ben Halloran's leadership and, and want to stand up. But I'm just I'm just not sure the football's still there with him. And sometimes that happens, and whether that's his fault or not, but you're gonna you're a professional footballer. If it's not happening, you're gonna get found out. And unfortunately, we've got we've got a kid that's more than capable of playing the same position that's just signed the richest the richest deal in A-League history to go to Bayern Munich and Australian football history. He can he can play on that side of the park. So fuck man, if you're playing on the weakest defender and you're not finding the back of the net, then watch out. I just I just hated the way we conceded that fourth goal with that lazy flick he pays, plays out of the back that does not find either the central midfielder or the or the the inside forward I guess is he trying to hit hero I have no idea what he's doing he just he tries to play this most ridiculous flick and it's turned over easily and we're just fucked from that situation and you just cannot rely on this guy to do anything that is going to change a game or hold a game and I'm sick to death of seeing him I don't want to see him play another game I can't I can't work out whether it was the the second or the fourth goal I can't remember but we spoke about this at the time in the stadium is that one of the goals we conceded um, Popper got the ball played back to him and he was under pressure instantly and his first touch was a bit heavy, he turned the ball over and we conceded. And the first thing that Tom and I looked at each other and said was that ball came back from Ben Halloran on the left wing, who when he received it was in an absolute paddock one-on-one with a fullback. And instead of taking a touch forward and running at his defender, like a confident winger would do, like a Nestor and Kunda or a Bernardo would have done, he passed the ball backwards and we lost it. Love it. Agree on everything. Um, I think I'm just looking through. I know you kind of mentioned it before, Cooper, about some of these Sydney players. Um, if there is some positivity to take out of this, uh, maybe you can throw out a forgive run uh, in that we had a shocking day. And the, this Sydney team, I know it was for like top versus bottom, but this is not a bottom team. Sydney yeah. are good. This is a good team. I think we all had them. As, didn't we all have them as champions? As this, 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 I, I still think they they, they could still do. I this. still think still they play yeah. finals. The, the thing about the thing about the condensed ladder in the A League and the lack of teams is that Sydney are five points behind the top of the table. They've had a That's diabolical it. start to the season for the club that they are. And the I wasn't had, but they're two wins away from being top of the league. I wasn't even saying that. Like, I'm not even arguing that will they or won't they play finals. If the argument for me is will they or won't they still win it? They could still uh, win it for sure. Uh, they could. This this team's really good, uh, but they're not going to have it all their own way um, every week. We obviously had a really bad night. I guess what I want to finish on here with Adelaide, um, we're four games in. I alluded to it a bit earlier, but we've I guess we've kind of seen the best and worst of Adelaide. Two very big extremes from one end to the other. Um, how, how are we feeling going forward? What would you like to see from them in response in two weeks? We've got a week off now. Um, in two weeks, we play Western United on a Sunday afternoon. What do you want to see? I don't want to see Hero or Halloran anywhere near this starting team again. That's what I want to see. I would love to see Bernardo and Irin Kunda, like Hoover said, and let's play Luca because we're not, we're not getting anything out of Hero. We haven't even talked about Hero. Last week, sure, he scored the equaliser. I was flying off the handle, declaring him washed. I, I really do think we're seeing the last of Hero's starting spell in this side because he just he does not offer anything. And if we're not going to cross the ball to him, he's not going to head anything in. He had one really good chance in the first half where he just overplayed it, 
he's lacking something within himself. He doesn't want to take the shot on. I don't. I don't see his usefulness anymore. And whether it's Luca, whether it's Musa, who uh, we haven't talked about Musa. I thought he was great off the bench. He offered that spark and that stretching the back line. Whether or not Sydney took the foot off the pedal, whatever. Musa offered something, and I'd I'd love to see him um, start a game potentially. Yeah. Um. To just touch on what Tom said first, um, I'm very tedious to change everything all at once. Even as much as I agree that cautious, perhaps that, that, that Halloran's tentative. Sorry, yeah, tentative. Tentative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm in a grants of Halloran goes and Hiroshi goes. I think Halloran goes first, though. Yeah. I think I think it's very harsh to, you know, we said the week before that Hiroshi was so frustrated at halftime against the victory because he has two jobs to hold the ball up, which he was being asked to do in dire situations way too often, and to be a goal threat. And the one opportunity we put a ball into the box and gave him a chance to be a goal threat off a set piece, he scored. So yeah, but that's his job. Hold think- it up. Hold it up in those situations, but like it's it's not a it's not a glorious position that he's going to play in this team. So no, you don't have I'm, to do it. But yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But how much harder does that job become in a five-one loss? And how often do we say that we played those short balls and Popper panicked and pumped it long, and all of a sudden mm. heroes one v four trying to bring it down and wait wait for help? It's not. I don't think the Hiroshi Ibasuki situation is as dire as the Ben Halloran situation. So I think. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut you off. Just I'm conscious of time here. I just want to get back to um Cooper. Uh Tom's already answered, but what do you want to see from West United a couple of weeks with a week off in between? Um, I want us to win. I, I think want us to win. I think a, a young side is rejuvenated by by a week off. And and you know what? Just don't lose. I think we've said that a million times this Every season. Every week. It, yeah. it might it may be the <laughs> I still feel the, the same, yeah. I think with the inexperience of this team, I think the ceiling is the clouds, but the floor is also like we've seen on the weekend, so incredibly low. Yeah. So if you go into every week with a mindset of, you know what, let's just not lose and see where we go from there. There's potential. I said to Tom on the weekend that just going past this really quickly, that it's Western United, MacArthur, and then Brisbane at home. Yep. For a team that's going to play finals, those are three winnable games. So we'll find a lot more out about what this Adelaide United outfit really actually is in those three games. And I think that probably needs six points from nine if we're going to be a competitive finals potential team this year in those three games. But these three games also offer an opportunity for this season to become really dire really quickly. Yeah, beautiful. All right, I think the main takeaway from this week is that Adelaide United's, uh, like you just said, the ceiling is the clouds, but the floor is a submarine with a shitty Logitech controller that's going to explode, um, <laughs> implode even. Um I don't know if either of you have anything else you want to add for this week. Uh, I feel like we've gone a bit, but um, no, you're both shaking your heads. Tom's no, not really good. just looking blankly. It is very late at night. All right. Um, keep getting around the feed. Get around us on the socials. Keep an eye on the TikTok, on the Instagram, on the Facebook, on the, uh, I don't want a dead name, on X. Twitter. On X. Um, keep an eye there. Tom's always uh, razzing people up. Cooper's posting stuff there. Keep an eye out on the website. Cooper's posting articles, writing stuff. Tom says he's going to write one. It's it's been a long time coming. I I know it's still we're we're still in plans, aren't we? What's what's the go? It's it's, it's cooking. It's cooking. There's a lot of drafts. Yeah. It's just you got to just press the submit button. It's like the pre the movies that were meant to come out pre COVID and they got delayed and pushed back. Yeah, and that's it. And now there's an actor strike. Yeah. What are we going to do? 
Yeah. Okay. Lovely. All right. Uh, see you later, folks. Have a good week. We'll see you in a couple of weeks when the Reds return. <laughs>